Well, Pastor Wagel from Rush County Baptist Church, who are streaming live this morning for our morning uh, preaching service. Uh, we're glad to have you uh, tuning in and uh, listening as we study the Word of God together. We're going to read out of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 1. And uh, I would really like to go through and read the whole chapter and then come back and uh, look at it. I want to share a message entitled, Is There a God? Is there a God? Oh, 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. <clears throat> it says, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go to meet this messengers of the kings of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die, and Elijah departed. When the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel? that thou sentest to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was this? I'm sorry, what manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man, and gird about uh, with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty, and he went up to him. And behold, he sat on the top of a hill, and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king has said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said unto the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus saith the king, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of the fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him, and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. 
Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burned up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him and be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down from off the bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. And the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning uh, by the way of uh, live streaming. We're thankful, Lord, that we can uh, read the Word of God together. We can study it together. Uh, we want to make sound applications of the Word to our hearts, our lives today. And so send thy Holy Spirit upon us that we might be able to experience a teacher from God. And Lord, that you might expound to us the ways of the Lord, and Lord, that we might be able to find in our hearts and confirm in our hearts the reality that there is a God. And Lord, there may be someone listening this morning that's never been saved and never been born again. I pray that you'd touch them uh, with the reality of what's going on here in the life of Elijah, the revelation of the Almighty God, and that they might believe and be gloriously saved. Encourage believers this morning. Bless us and strengthen us, O oh God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is actually verse 3. It says, The angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go to meet the messenger of the king of Syria, Samaria, and say unto them, it, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. The interesting thing is in verse 3, verse 6, and verse 16, God makes those same statements that Elijah, as he confronts these messengers that were sent down by the king. Uh, you know, I was reading my devotions this week, and the other day I was reading and I came across this chapter. It came in the 2 Kings chapter 2, and uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry. And as I was reading, God spoke to my heart in a great way about what took place here. A couple of things. We have to consider the characters that are here. Uh, it's after the rebellion of Moab against Israel. When Ahab died, who was king, he was a wicked king in Israel. Uh, the Moabites would rebel against Israel and come down against them. But now this is after they rebelled. Uh, Ahab has died and his son Ahaziah, uh, I can't even say it, I had it a while ago, amen, uh, uh, is reigning in his stead. However, uh, he falls through this lattice, it says, in the upper chamber 
And because of that, he became sick. And he wanted to know if he was going to be able to live or not. And so he sends messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, which was a Philistine god, a false god, that was worshipped in the city of Eklon. On the way, Elijah is told by God to confront these messengers and reveal to Ahaziah uh, that he's not going to recover from this sickness, but rather he was going to die. And the judgment of God was upon him. And so God impressed on my heart this great question, is there a God? Because he says, why are you sending? Literally what he's saying, why are you sending messengers uh, down to Ekron to inquire of Beelzebub? Is it because there's no God in Israel? And oftentimes what people do is they pursue things and try to find answers uh, to questions that we have in life not by going to God, but going to a false God or the God of this world. As a believer in Christ, I am very confident this morning that there is a God in heaven and he was not caught off guard because of what took place when this virus started spreading like it is spreading. Uh, God is not shocked by what goes on. God is aware of all things that are going on. And, uh, and oftentimes what happens, God, I believe, is trying to get our attention to turn back to him. And what happens is we reject God, we mock God. That's what Ahaziah is doing. He's mocking God, he's rejecting God, and uh, uh, rather than turning to the God of Israel. And so there was a good illustration of this. I was reading some articles the other day. And I came across an article in the, the Christian Post that was entitled, How Dare Vice President Pence Pray? Uh, the world that we're living in is, is so corrupt and so wicked and so vile that any time that God is going to do something or any time a Christian tries to pursue God, they want to mock God and ridicule God. The article goes on, it says, the White House posted a photo taken on February 26th showing Vice President Pence praying with the members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force in the White House office. The photo shows Pence in a circle with others bowing their heads in prayer. One secular research website headlined the photo with this to take, he said, symbolic of the moral and intellectual decay at the White House. I don't see how in the world you can acknowledge there is immorality and intellectual decay because somebody gets on their knees and prays to the living God. Pence and his team, he says this, he went on to say, Pence and his team were wallowing in ignorant superstition and willful ignorance. Well, whoever wrote that article, I got to say to you, the person that's ignorant is the person who wrote the article. People are pursuing the living God or are not ignorant. They have faith to believe that God is real and God has manifested himself over and over again. And if we are going to find real healing and real victory through this time of this virus is we're going to have to get on our knees and fall on our face before a living God who has the ability to bring healing and victory. He went on to say that on this site, suggesting that Pence prays because he's a religious extremist. Well, if you pray, you're an extremist, and I guess you have to call me an extremist because I believe in prayer. I got up early this morning, came over to the church, 
And I was just in my office. I was praying early this morning and asking God to bless this message, to bless our people in our church, to bless our leaders that are uh, trying to lead us in a positive way and bless those who are identifying with Christ and willing to be bold for Christ. I spent time praying for those things this morning. If that means I'm an extremist, then I'm an extremist. Another slant is that one from an out of... Uh, it's, <laughs> Another slant is this. It was one from an out and proud atheist. I like, I like how these people write these things. He says, it's not a joke when people say these Republicans are trying to stop a virus with prayer. What else did anyone expect? Science, reason, something sensible? Hey, what about something spiritual? What, what about crying out and knowing that, wait a minute, we're dealing with more than a physical problem. We're dealing with a spiritual problem. And the spiritual problem is America has elected to put God out of our schools and out of our homes and out of our communities. And then we wonder why we suffer such a reproach upon God. Never mind that every session of Congress begins with prayer. So why is it so out of sorts that the vice president should pray or someone else should pray? Uh, thousands of public meetings across our country uh, open in prayer every day. Prayer is for many uh, today politically unacceptable uh, since it's a front to science, an obstacle to governance, and worse of all, a shameful admission that we are not in control of our own destinies. You know, you're, you're, you know, people depended on their money, and the money's gone now, isn't it? Uh, people depended on their health, but their health is gone now, isn't it? People uh, depended upon their influence and political clout, but that's gone now, isn't it? I mean, when God strips everything away from us, we have one person to turn to, and it's God and God alone. The devil is a mastermind of confusing this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Ahaziah, when he was sick, rather than turning to the living God, the God of Israel, Jehovah God, he decided to send his messengers to the false god, the heathen God, the God of the Philistines, and to inquire of him. And Elijah's response to him was, wait a minute, isn't there a God in Israel that you could turn to? We're talking about the king of Israel. And he's turning to the heathen God. Folks, let me challenge you with this this morning. Uh, there is a God in heaven, and the greatest thing that we can do in, in light of all that we're facing and dealing with right now is to turn and to acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords and He deserves all of our worship and all of our praise and all of our acknowledgement. And the answer to the problems we have is not science and it's not man's finances and it's not man's abilities, but rather it's the God of heaven who can intervene on our behalf. Is there a God? I see a couple of things in this passage. We're going to go through this and look at this passage. I see, first of all, that a false god always equals false hope. 
That's why verse 2, he says, As Ahaziah fell down through the lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick, and he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. He's wanting to find hope, but he's turning to a false god, and a false god always gives false hope. And so we, it gives us false hope because to turn to a false god is always to blasphemy. And the blasphemy, first of all, means to dishonor God's strength. He says, go inquire Beelzebub. Uh, the amazing thing is this, Beelzebub did not have the strength to be able to heal mankind. Uh, Beelzebub did not have the ability to overcome the disease and the sickness that Ahaziah was experiencing. And so to say we're going to go to a different God, we're going to worship a false God, is to blaspheme God because we're ignoring the fact that he has the strength and the ability to do what he says he can do. Uh, first of all, I see this, this dishonoring of God's strength is to turn to the heathen. Turn to the heathen. Isaiah 47 in verse 12 tells about this matter of turning to the heathen. Isaiah chapter 47 in verse 12 says, Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitudes of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be, thou shalt be able to profit. If so be, thou mayest prevail. Isaiah is saying this, you want to dishonor God? Uh, you want to blaspheme against God? Uh, go ahead and hold on to your enchantments. Go ahead and hold on to your sorceries. Go ahead and hold on to your laborings. Go ahead and hold on to them things and see if you can be profitable or not. So to dishonor God's strength is to turn to the heathen, and it's to depend on enchantments. Isaiah 47 and verse 13 says, Thou art wearied in the multitudes of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. Uh, there shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before. What is Isaiah saying? He's just saying this. You, when you dishonor God's strength and God's ability to work in your life, you literally are cutting off the blessings of God for him to move on your behalf. And so here is Ahaziah dishonoring God's strength. He not only dishonors God's strength, but he disregards God's presence. Because he says, uh, go to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Oh, that's not where the people of Israel are supposed to be worshiping. That's not where they were supposed to be coming and, and, and uh, speaking to God. And so he's completely disregarding where the living God is. You know, the children of Israel would go to the house of God, to the temple of God. Uh, they would not go down to Ekron to worship and praise. 
And I think sometimes we forget as Christians, as believers, that God has established a place for us to worship and praise. You know, we have to go live stream now and reach people because we're not allowed to gather together because of the dangers of advancing this spread of this virus. Uh, but you know what? One day that's going to be over. Are you going to be in the church house when it's over? Uh, you know, I remember after 911, I mean, we had people coming in our church that we didn't even know who they were. They just came in off the street and wanted to pray. They were pursuing and looking for God. That didn't last very long. And I just wonder when this is over, are you going to be in the church house? God has placed the church in this world that we live in to be our place where we gather together to worship the living God. And Ahaziah literally disregarded God's presence. And if we're going to be able to have power and we're going to have, be able to have peace, as we talked about earlier, it's going to be based on the presence of God. Peace is not based on the absence of trials and difficulties. It's based on the person and the presence of Jesus Christ in a person's life. And Ahaziah has completely disregarded the place where he was supposed to worship and supposed to pursue God. And so he sends his messengers down to find the God that was in Eglon, uh, the heathen God of the Philistines. Blasphemy. False gods equal false hope. And so to dishonor God's strength, to disregard God's presence, and then in verse 3 through 8, is to despise God's messenger. You know, the interesting thing is that this God's messenger was sent through, this message was sent through uh, the man of God. In verse 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? You know, the amazing thing is this. Ahaziah is not calling for the prophet of God. The interesting thing, his messengers are not calling for the man of God. But God is sending a messenger to them by the name of Elijah to warn them of what was going on in their pursuit of other gods than the true God. And I'm thankful that Jesus Christ came into this world. Man was not seeking after God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. It says there's none that seeketh after God. But the amazing thing is that God would send his son into this world so that he could die for our sins and be able to give us eternal life. But man was not seeking for God. And so here he is, this message that is despised uh, by Ahaziah was sent there by God himself. It confirmed, this message confirmed the reality of God. In verse 3, the, the question, the way it's asked, is it not because there is not a God in Israel, is not a statement of denying the presence of God, but rather to confront his unwillingness to acknowledge that God was in Israel. You know, the Lord is in this place and we knew it not. And oftentimes people think, that, well, wait a minute, we can live our life apart from God because God is not present but I'm going to tell you right now, God is ever-present, and uh, he is omniscient, uh, he is omnipresent, he is omnipotent, uh, he is the eternal God. Uh, there's never a time when he's not present, 
And Elijah is just simply reminding Ahaziah that there is a God that he has ignored, a God that he has blasphemed because of the fact that he despised the message of God. And then he revealed an honest answer in verse 4. It says, Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from thy bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's not an exciting message. It's not an exciting response because Ahaziah is sending messengers to talk to the Philistine God to see if he's going to recover. That God could not answer him. But the God of Elijah could. And the message that Elijah brought was a message that was honest because he did not water it down. He said, thou shalt surely die. Now, the interesting thing is this. He was disgusted with God's man. Ahaziah was disgusted with God's man. In verse 5, when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why art thou turning back? He said, Wait a minute, you should have been longer tripped than this. Why, why all of a sudden you stopped short? Why are you back here already? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou art sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from thy bed, that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And he said, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? I mean, the king is upset because he wants to know why, who is giving you this information. Who, who has revealed to you that, wait a minute, uh, there is no God in Ekron that can answer your question, but the God of Israel has so stated that you're going to die. And then in verse 8, says, And they answered to him, He was a hairy man, and gird with a girdle of leather about his loins, and he said, It's Elisha the Tishbite. Now, I just know this, that people ought to be able to identify the people of God. The people of God ought to be honest about what the Word of God says. The people of God have a messenger, a message from God to share with this world. And I know this, they might not like the message, and they might not like the messenger, but God has something to reveal to us, and I believe He's trying to get our attention right now. And people are disgusted with the messenger of God. That's why we mock, they mock people praying. That's why they mock people who have faith. That's why they mock uh, things that we do in living our Christian life. But the reality is there's a God in heaven that still has an answer that they might not like, but the answer is not going to change. And so Second King, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 18, in verse 17, it says, And it came to pass uh, when Ahab saw Elijah. So here is Ahaziah having to deal with Elijah the prophet, the same way his father Ahab had to deal with Elijah the prophet. And so here's Elijah the prophet coming to Ahab. And it says, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? See, Ahab was a wicked man. He was a man who despised the living God. And as a result of God brought his wrath and his judgment on Israel. And the problems that Israel was facing and going through the concluding thought of this wicked King Ahab was it was Elijah. It's that preacher. 
It's those Christians that are causing all the trouble. Then in verse 18, it says, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that uh, ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Uh, folks, let me challenge you with this. Let me warn you of this, that God is longing for us to turn to him and obey his commandments and hold to his statutes so that he might be able to bless us once again. We are pursuing a false God, and it's only going to equal a false hope. How do you, how do you pursue a false God? First of all, by allowing atheism to dominate decision-making. We are Christians. We have a biblical worldview, and we do not make decisions as Christians based on the, the heathenistic, atheistic world in which we live. They look at things differently than what we do, and we're not going to follow that example. We're not going to pursue the God of the heathen. We are pursuing a false God and ending up with false hope when man's abilities determine the outcomes. And listen, uh, it is not, it, without Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, literally, the scriptures tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we need to remember, don't go like Ahaziah and going after the heathen God because you'll have false hope. Uh, we have false hope uh, when temporal world dictates our destiny. You know, this world doesn't determine where we're going to go. I heard a preacher the other day, he was preaching and he was saying about dying and people making threats on people's lives. And he said this, don't threaten me with heaven. The amazing thing is this, to the Christian, uh, when we depart out of this world, this world is not my home, I'm only passing through. And we're going to go into the presence of God. And so this temporal world that's going to be burned up with a fire and will be destroyed one day is not going to dictate my destiny. And then we are pursuing the false God and ending up with false hope when anxiety motivates our thoughts. This morning as we had our panel, we were talking about the peace of God, how it keeps our hearts, how it rules our heart. And uh, listen, we do not have to be overcome with anxiety. That comes when we're pursuing a false God. So praise God for a vice, vice president who will get on his knees with other men and pray and not pursue a false God, but the living God so they might have a real hope. Well, I see a second thing here in verse 9 through 12. Not only does uh, a false God equal false hope, but a failed request equals a failed outcome. In other words, you can't do one thing and expect something else to come out. In uh, verse 9, we read of this, we're not going to reread the whole passage here, but we read that the king sends a captain that's over 50 men down to confront Elijah. And when he sends him down to uh, confront Elijah, I want you to see, first of all, there's an arrogant approach. In verse 9, he says, He went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of the hill, and he spake unto him. From what I understand, in the context of the chapter here, this is speaking in reference to, it was not a respectful meeting. It was not a meeting that was gathered on the basis of honoring or reverencing Elijah's God. This was a meeting that, meeting that was 
an arrogant approach. He thought because he was the captain over the 50 and because he was sent with authority from the king uh, that he could disrespect Elijah the prophet. And as a result of it, his, fa his request will fail be and his outcome will fail. So arrogant approach. Notice uh, denied authority. It says he spake unto him, uh, thou man of God, the king has said. And so a denied authority. Uh, he's re refusing to acknowledge that Elijah had the authority to speak for God. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, when we have the Great Commission, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And literally, all power is given unto me is all authority is given unto Christ. And Christ's Great Commission has commanded us to share our faith with others that they might be saved. The world will fail because of the fact that it refuses to acknowledge the authority of Almighty God. And so here is these 50 men being destroyed. Notice the command addressed. The man of God, the king said, come down. And so, I mean, there is complete disrespect. Thou man of God. That's a statement of mockery. Uh, wait a minute. The king has said. That's a complete denial of authority. Uh, you come down. Uh, that's a command that's addressed to disregard of the will of God in the life of Elijah. And how the world always wants to corrupt what the believer has working for him, and that's God Almighty, and thinking they can get away with that. There's superiority avenged. Because in verse 10, it says, Elijah answered, said unto the captain of Met 50, If I be the man of God, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And there came fire down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. You know, it was back uh, in the previous chapters in 1 Kings, that Elijah would be on Mount Carnival, and he would have to Carmel, and he would have to face the prophets of Baal. And uh, listen, Elijah would stand up and pray a prayer of sixty-two words, and fire would fall down from heaven and destroy their altars and destroy their prophets. And God will avenge the, His superiority and His authority over man. Man cannot stand against the power of Almighty God. Notice there's an obstinate attitude. And I wish I had the screens up here so I could show you all these points. But an obstinate attitude. In verse 11, again, he sent another captain of 50 with his 50. And so the king, oh, you talk about obstinate. I mean, the king has already rejected and mocked Elijah. The king has already denied the authority of the prophet Elijah. His men are destroyed as the fire of God comes down from heaven. And so what is his response? Did he humble himself? Did he get right with God? No, he sends another captain with 50 more men. And the outcome is the same. Why? A failed request always equals a failed outcome. Uh, Matthew Henry said this in his commentary. Some sinners live long to aggravate their judgment. Others die soon to hasten it. But it is certain that evil pursues sinners, and sooner or later it will overtake them. Nor will anything fill the measure sooner 
than the complicated iniquity of Isaiah, uh, honoring the devil's oracles and hating God's oracles. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, it's time for America to wake up and it's time for America to get on its knees and turn back to God and start believing God. And those who want to be, mock God need to be rebuked sharply. Those who want to deny Christ need to be presented the gospel so they can receive Christ as their Savior. Why? Because false gods always lead to false hope and failed requests always equal failed outcomes. Then I see the last thing in chapter 2 in uh, verse 1. I see a faithful man equals fulfilled future. In chapter 2, verse 1, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. I see some things here taking place as far as a faithful man equaling fulfilled future. Uh, first of all, I see that there's a prayer request answered. Back in chapter 1 and verse 13, notice says, And he sent again a captain of the th third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of the 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. We see a difference here. We see a different response. The, the second team that came had the same response as the first team and reaped the same consequence. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And this man came up with his 50 and he fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Notice there's a prayer request that is offered up uh, before the man of God. And so there's a prayer request answered. I know this, if we will cry out to God to show mercy, God will hear us. I know this, if we'll cry out and humble ourselves in the presence of God, that God will respond uh, to uh, our cry and respond to his ability to be able to heal our land. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if I can get over to 2 Chronicles, I'll get there real quick, amen. And uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and... Uh, Verse 14 tells us that, that if God's people are going to pray, if we'll pray and we'll pursue after God, that God will hear our prayers and God will uh, heal our land. And uh, I don't know why I'm not getting there, amen. I'll just keep talking until I get there. I'll be all right. Second Chronicles chapter 7 in uh, verse 14. Uh, there we go. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. And that's what this man did. He came, he got on his knees before Elijah. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will hear their land. That's the answer. That's the positive outcome. That's a fulfilled future. If we'll just be faithful to God to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek his face and to turn from our wicked ways and, and to fall 
and faith, believing that God is greater than these things that we are facing and going through, I believe that we can have an answer to the prayer and that God will move in a powerful way. There's a prayer request answered. I see there's a powerful word spoken in verse 16 and also verse 17 of uh, chapter 1. Says, and he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off thy bed, but uh, on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. A powerful word. Uh, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the amazing thing is, these are days for us to be faithful to our God. Faithful people that surrender completely. Because when we surrender and, and faith believe in God, his word has promised that he would fulfill and reward our lives. So prayer requests answered, a powerful word spoken, and then there's a prophet that's rewarded. Because chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that God was going to take Elijah up into heaven. The interesting thing is this. That the king, King Ahaziah, uh, when he departs from this life, he departs in disgrace. However, Elijah, when he departs, he departs in honor. The interesting thing is this King Ahaziah departs from this life in misery. But Elijah departs from this life in blessing. Ahaziah, the king, departs from this life defiled. Elijah departs from this life holy. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been at a lot of funerals. I've been by the bedside of many people who have died. I have yet, I have never seen one person with, when they're about ready to die and depart from this life ever say, I'm sorry, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Those who have trusted the Lord and those who have believed to the saving of their soul, I have never seen one of them to complain about the fact that they're going to heaven. But I've been by some bedsides of those that weren't saved, that did not have the assurance of heaven as their home, and boy, the tragedy of seeing them depart out of this life. In 1 Thessalonians, I have to say, is there a God? 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words." There is nothing more comforting than to know that there is a God in heaven who will reward faithfulness uh, to his word and to his will. And Elijah was a faithful man who had a fulfilled future. Is there a God? You know, this story that we just read and we studied 
is a great revealer of the conflict between good and evil and between God and the devil. And I want you to know this morning, there is a, there is a battle that is raging. And the battle is between man and the God. It's between God and the devil. It's between the world and your soul. And there is a great battle that the devil is fighting to destroy your life and to rob you of all that you can enjoy in being faithful to God. Not only is there a great conflict between good and evil and God and the devil, but there are those who turn to self, the world, and the devil. Uh, many people will just take and mock God. Many people will mock Christianity. Many people will mock prayer. Many people will just say, I can do it on my own. I don't need all these other things. But yet it just, it'll get worse and worse and worse in this world that we live in. There are those who turn to God through his son, Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know this, that, that you reject Christ, you have to face the judgment of God. You receive Christ, uh, then you receive the blessings of God and have a home in heaven. You're either for God or against him today. And when somebody mocks the prayer of our vice president, I would have to say he's against God. Uh, when people take and stand up and say there's no God in heaven, uh, that we can live and do as we please, I have to say you're against God. Literally, we know that James tells us that when we were without Christ, we were at enmity with God. We were the enemies of God. 1 Kings 18.21, it says, And Elijah came unto the, all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Now my question is, Elijah puts that question out there. If God be God, won't you follow him? If Baal be God, then you follow him. What's your answer today? Is your answer is I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ? Or is it your answer to say I'm going to continue going after Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Because that's the choices. It's either Jesus Christ or Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Is there a God? Oh, yes, there's a God. 1 Samuel 17, 46, when David was standing before Goliath, he said this, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of uh, the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. In 1 Kings, there's the question, uh, are you going to Beelzebub because there's no God in Israel? David would cry out when he stood against Goliath, this is what the victory we're going to experience because there is a God in Israel. What We know this. We know this. We know there is a God because the scriptures reveal who he is. No man has seen God, it says in John 1.18. No man has seen God, but the only begotten Son hath revealed him, or declared him, it says. That means to reveal him, the scriptures. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that speak of me. And so the scriptures reveal who God is. You say, how do you know it? Because I have my Bible in front of me. 
And I, I dare, double dare you to take the Bible and read it and try to prove it wrong. The Word of God is right and is true from the beginning to the end. And it tells me about everything that God is. The Scripture reveals Him. The world experiences Him. Whether it be God blessing the world or rather God judging the world. You know, when the sun comes up, it shines on the heathen field as much as the believer's field. When the rains come, the rains fall on the believer's field just as much as the heathen's field. The amazing thing is this, though. When God brought plagues on Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of bondage, God delivered Israel from those things as the Egyptians suffered those things. The world experiences God. And then I know there's a God in heaven because my heart connects with him. It is God that speaks to our hearts. It is God that moves upon our soul. I remember when I got saved back in 1979, I realized this. I was going to hell. I knew I wasn't going to heaven. I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. I was an alcoholic. And I knew I needed Christ. And I got up in the middle of the night and I cried out. And I said, God... I said, cried out to God and said, God, if I died right now, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. God, I don't want to go to hell. God, will you forgive me and give me everlasting life? And at that moment, Jesus Christ took a residence in my heart, in my life, and he saved me. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And my life has never been the same. Don't you tell me there's no God. I see it in every page of this Holy Scriptures. I see him as he works and interacts with all of the world. And I feel him in my heart as he stirs me in faith, believing to the saving one. So listen, if you're not sure you're saved today, you call us. Get a hold of us. Somehow get a hold of us. Go on Facebook. You can go on our Facebook page, our website. You can call us. And we'll sit down and open up the Bible and show you how to receive Christ as your Savior. There is no greater decision you will ever make in your life than receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, John 1.12. And folks, I want you to know this. God is a loving God. He is a gracious and merciful God, but he is a just God also. And it's time for America to get on our knees and turn back to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us grace. Thank you so much for speaking to our hearts. I'm thankful for this passage. It's a hard passage to preach from. But the word of God is true from the beginning to the end. And it helps us to see what the outcome, what, it, what our destiny is if we'll just be faithful people to the Lord. I pray for, for the Spirit of God to move across this world. I pray for a spirit of conviction to be on every person, from a lay person that's in their home to a politician that's in the White House or in the Congress or the Senate. I, I pray for an anointing and a move of the Spirit of God that will bring a spirit of revival in our land, that God will be able to see the blessings of God flowing once again. God, we are praying for the windows of heaven to be open. And God, send an answer. God, send 
a miracle. God, give us healing in our land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.